My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential with your host, Jeff Lerner. So excited to be back with you again, getting to have incredible conversations with incredible humans. Today, I am joined by someone who I've been so excited to have on the show. I feel like I've been waiting all year for this, um, which is about five and a half weeks so far this year. And it's, uh, it's off to an awesome year. And actually, it's fitting. Um, his name's Robin Sharma. You probably know him and have seen him. He usually has at least two or three books in any airport bookstore at any given time. Like he's a pretty uh, prolific and ubiquitous person. Um, but he's also helping a lot of people get off to a great start this year. I saw um, he's doing a, a, a training online uh, in conjunction with his new book, The Everyday Hero Manifesto, which I'm excited to talk about. If you don't know Robin, he, uh, I think, came to fame. And certainly the book that I heard about him through was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, which uh, I'm excited to hear the origin story there. Uh, he left a career as, a, as an attorney, as a litigator, and basically dropped out of that career and became just a humanitarian, a leader, a, a thought leader, a thinker, a writer, consults for big companies. Uh, he's written, also wrote The 5 a.m. Club, um, The Greatness Guide, like, like I said, prolific writer, prolific course creator, and now our latest guest on Unlock Your Potential, Robin, welcome. Thank you for being here. Jeff, thank you for having me. So glad you're here. So I have been a fan. Um, I think I saw you, you've, I saw you on Tom Bilyeu, and I think I also saw you on Mel Robbins. I'm sure you, you've been on uh, both of those shows. And I was like, this is great. First of all, you are unapologetically uh, an advocate for getting up early, which I, I appreciate too. Um, and I was like, oh, I like this guy. And I ended up reading the 5 a.m. Club. And I just got my copy of the Everyday Hero Manifesto, which I have not yet read. But uh, so I haven't yet read all of. But having dug into it a little bit, I will just say right out of the gate, I'm already hooked. I already love it. Um, tell me a little bit, if you would, about what you mean by Everyday Hero and why that's what the world needs right now. Well, I think the world has taught us that a hero is a Nelson Mandela, a Mother Teresa, a Rosa Parks, a Hedy Lamarr, an Albert Einstein, a, a Ludwig van Beethoven. And sure, those people are great heroes. They influence millions and millions of people. But what about the baker who rises at 4.30 in the morning and does their work like Picasso painted? What about the single mother or father you know, working as a gardener, long hours trying to put food on the table? What about the in this world we live in, the frontline workers who risk themselves to serve their communities. What about the teachers? What about the poets who are toiling in anonymity for 20 years, pursuing their vision and their craft when no one really understands them, but they do it because it's the, they want to put honest work out into the world. And so I wrote the Everyday Hero Manifesto, Jeff. It, it's part handbook for exponential productivity it's part manual for living a world-class life and it's part instruction book for being a spiritual heavyweight on this planet that needs real heroes and what i'm trying to do is remind people that you don't you you have heroism in you we've been programmed out of believing our heroism we haven't been taught the tools that allow us to exploit and express our hero heroism. But just because we don't think of ourselves often as heroes doesn't mean we are not meant for heroism and can't be heroic. So how would you define hero in this sense? Well, the, the book is like, there's so many different ideas. I mean, someone who pushes masterwork into the marketplace where there's so much mediocrity, definitely heroic. Yeah. Someone who is honest in a room of thieves, is heroic. Someone who has a vision for their future and what I call a mighty mission and then progressively moves towards living it, even if there are trolls and haters and cynics, is a hero. Someone who is, is something as simple as, you know, you're at a bus stop or you're at a train and you see someone in need. I was just doing a little traveling you know, someone needs help lifting their bags onto the train. You just, you just do it. Or you see someone, you know, have on an airplane 
you lift up their luggage into the overhead compartment because you think it's a polite thing to do. I mean, that's a small act of heroism. How about leaning into your fears? We all have these fears. Most people run away from them. There's a chapter in the book called Hugging Your Monster. And there's a story, you know, there's this grand master and he's walking up this mountain and he's leading his followers and they're going to this great monastery. And once they eventually arrive at the monastery, Jeff, they see there's these three chained dogs outside of the monastery. And the other people grow a little bit, you know, timid. And then eventually the dogs break free from the chains and they start running towards the group. The other people start running away, but the master does something interesting. He starts running towards, directly towards the dogs. The dogs get even more excited and even more violent. They started running even more quickly towards the master. The master yawns and he laughs and he starts running even more quickly towards the dogs. Eventually the dogs get scared of this master and they run away and they retreat and the master yawns again and walks into the, into the monastery. It's a very simple metaphor, but most people, what do we do when the barking dogs of our thieves, uh, of our fears run towards us, we run away, but doubts are liars and fears are thieves. And so running towards our fears and hugging our monsters and doing the things that frighten us, that's actually how we get our power back. Every time you do something you are frightened to do, you take the power you gave to the thing you were frightened to do back. And if you do it methodically, consistency daily, you eventually move toward fearlessness. That's heroic. So you say this, I say similar in my own way. Um, you know, David Goggins challenges people in his way along these same lines. You know, Gary Vee challenges people, you know, be positive in a world of negative. Like there's this kind of contrarian, uh, against the grain, elevate, you know, be different sort of message. And and there's a number of different facets and and, and ways it gets delivered. And 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 enough with enough consistency and resonance that I would say, I think we can agree it's true. Like what you're saying is true. It's not just Robin's you know, curious idea. There's like a deep fundamental truth to what you're saying. And yet most people don't do it, operationalize it, live it, express it, manifest it daily, consistently, minute by minute. Most people retreat. Most people's amygdalas are stronger than their content they consume that told them to override it or whatever. So, so I guess my question is, what do you think is the difference between the people that actually operationalize this message and the people that read it, get a high from it, and then fall back? I'd say three things, Jeff. I'd say number one, story, number two, practice, and number two, consistency. What I mean by that is this. <clears throat> Psychologists will tell you that your daily behavior always reflects your deepest beliefs. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. Your daily behavior always reflects your deepest beliefs. Our daily behavior, what we do every day of our life, it always is in alignment with our story of how we see ourselves in the world. Mm -hmm. Most of us, we have been born into brilliance and re resigned into average. Because from the moment we've been born we pick up these beliefs from the people who raise us, our teachers, our peers, media, society. And so all of those messages intellectually and emotionally that we pick up through what we learn and what we experience, micro and macro trauma, it's, it starts to contract us. When we, when we are first born, we're possibilitarians. We, we, little kids want to be astronauts and they want to be firefighters. And they want to be billionaires and they want to be inventors. And then they, you know, 40, 50 years old, they've been contracted and brainwashed and heartwashed into forgetting their, their promise and their potential. I know your show is so much about people's promise and their potential. So the first part is working on your story and reverse hypnotizing yourself. And we can talk in, the, the, the Everyday Hero Manifesto has hundreds of tools to help you do that. Second word I said was practice. Most people, they go to the gym to practice. They wanna be a better skier. I, I know where you're from, you know, there's great skiing. Well, all changes hard at first, messy in the middle, beautiful at the end, right? So just start practicing the new skill. It'll be hard at first, 
perfectly messy in the middle. It'll be beautiful at the end. It's a process. People understand that for skiing. They understand that for chess. They understand that for any skill. But when it comes to personal mastery, they want it in an instant or they have a, a belief that it doesn't even work. So practice. We have a gift, a human gift. It's called neuroplasticity. We all can transform. We're built to grow. But we try it for a few days. We listen to a podcast like this, and we don't stay with the process. University College London says it takes 66 days of daily practice to wire in a new habit until it becomes automatic. Most people won't stay with it for 66 days. But I think that idea, if you stay with it for 66 days, is powerful. Now people go, oh, I better stay with it for past a week. Third word I used is consistency. What you do every day is so much more powerful than what you do once a year. So re start rewiring your story and your philosophy and then start practicing like any other skill. Make personal mastery a practice. And that's why the 5M Club is a global movement. It's an institutionalized morning practice to work on yourself while the rest of the world is sleeping. And then finally, um, consistency. I, I do want to mention one thing because there are a lot of messages in personal development that are, are so you know, they're so often said they almost sound boring and, and ubiquitous. And like, you know, chase your fear is certainly one of those. Mm -hmm. But I, I do want to mention the Everyday Hero Manifesto is, it's a very disruptive book and it's a very contrarian book. It's, it's not, it's, I've been in this field for 26 years and the book is like, it's full of models that you really won't see anywhere else. Like one, if I can pull it up, but like, it's called the Troll Deconstruction where I've actually deconstructed how to transcend tr why tr trolls do what they do there so it's like a whole oh. deconstruction there's a de deconstruction on the titans decline my work with fortune five fortune 100 companies i i deconstructed why great companies fall apart there's there's a lot in the book that is very contrarian for example even everyone's talking about mindset I talk about the four interior empires. Mindset's only one of them. Uh, everyone's talking about hustle and grind. I, if you look at the science, hustle and grind actually doesn't make you more productive. Uh, working in cycles of intense performance and recovery. So I just wanted to make that point that, you know, the book is a very fresh book and I'm really excited to bring it to people. Well, I'm really excited to read it. You just touched on two, two things. Like if you were going to pick two things to say, how can I make Jeff Lerner want to read this book? Uh, you you just picked the two. One is one is deconstructing trolls, because in the last three years, having gone from dude that no one's ever heard of to dude that some people have heard of, um, I get a lot of them, and it's and, and it's yeah, and it's funny. I've gone through this whole like neurotic dysfunctional evolution of my relationship with that. They haven't changed at all. They just do what they do. They're they're wonderfully consistent. I'll give them that. Um, and the, but the way I feel about them and the way I respond to them and the way I process them, that's all evolved. And I'm, I'm excited to read your deconstruction and, and take it to the next level. Um, <clears throat> I, I have, if anything, though, I have learned that you have to make it fun or else it'll wear you down. But um, the other thing about, about great companies and why they fall apart, uh, I'm, I'm building what I believe is a great company. Um, you know, we've, we've, grown from nothing in about that same time, that three years, uh, to be one of the one of the fastest growing education companies in the world. And I don't want to mess it up. I got hundreds of people that not never mind, you know, hundreds of people that literally feed themselves off of the work we do. And I have thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that consume the work that we do. And I really, really, really don't want to mess it up. I've been reading a lot of like Jim Collins, you know, good to great kind of stuff. Because uh, I just don't want to mess it up. Maybe, I don't know, can you share, can you share a, a little glimmer of, of insight into what goes wrong with, with businesses? I have a hunch. I have many, but I'd love to hear it direct from the source. So I'd love to talk on the, about those two things that you're, you say you're dealing with. Um, growing a company and the troll deconstruction. I was, trying to, I was trying to pull it up. I found the troll deconstruction. The other model in the, in the Everyday Hero Manifesto is called the Titans Decline. So if I may, we could start with what happens to great companies 
yeah. that caused them to fail. Is that good? Okay. So, you right. know, in business week about three weeks ago, it was, it was fascinating. There was this piece of paper and it, uh, this page in business week, and it had the, essentially the tombstone of BlackBerry. And yeah. two, two weeks ago, BlackBerry officially stopped supporting their software. And so it was like the, the end of BlackBerry. But what I found interesting was that was at the bottom of the page, Jeff, and right above mm -hmm. it was the announcement of Apple becoming a $3 trillion company. Cool, cool. And Bla BlackBerry was a client of ours. Incidentally, I found this too. Okay, for what, So when what you talk page, about it, I'll, I'll hold it up. It's on 339 if you have the same edition I did. <laughs> 331. I don't even know my own book, but let's see. 339. Well, I, I mean, so I've great. seen your books. They all get printed in like nine different editions and stuff, No, you're right so. on. Okay. Okay. We've got them both. Okay. Just, okay. I, so, I didn't mean to interrupt. So I, but. No, no. I'm so grateful. So, you know, you look at BlackBerry and they were a world-class company. They were the dominant company in the space not really that long ago. And now look at Apple, a $3 trillion company. So, I, I think a few things. The first thing I would say is what makes legendary is longevity. The, uh, I once had a client who did a course at Harvard Business School, and he said, the professor kept on reminding us or asking us, is it sustainable? Is it sustainable? Is it sustainable? So the first thing that anyone who wants to build a world-class company needs to think about is, you know, how can we play for the absolute long run and sustain our success. It's hard enough to get to world-class, but what makes the legends is they sustain world-class. An NBA superstar, it's great to get a, an NBA world championship, but legends sustain it for seven years or 10 years, like a Michael Jordan, or look at someone like a Kobe Bryant, who, who had such yeah. a long career. So you want to think about- Tom Brady, who just retired. I mean, 24 years or something. Crazy. Brilliant yeah, example. My kids. Yeah. Brilliant example. And I think one of the things that allows a company, first of all, we could deconstruct the whole thing. You've got to be different. You know, so many companies are copying what everyone else is doing because they don't have the bravery to be unique. What you want to do is you want, we are paid as entrepreneurs and leaders to push mass magic into the marketplace. If you're not pushing outright magic, everyday hero manifesto, 16 months of obsession in the pandemic is how I wrote it. I wanted every line perfect. We are paid not to push, push mediocrity. And I think that's what the culture sells us. It's better to push a thousand mediocrities than a piece of magic into the marketplace is what the culture says. So you've got all these entrepreneurs pushing out work, books, code, everything every day. Take four years, and I'm just giving a metaphor, but Michelangelo spent four years handcrafting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Taj Mahal took 22 years. You know, even one thing that Apple, uh, that um, Steve Jobs learned at Pixar, four years for every movie. Mm. And he, after he came back to Apple, he brought that philosophy. Four years for the iMac. Four years, and then the iPod came out. So one thing, be absolutely different raise your standards to push magic into the marketplace because you we are paid to push out product that stuns people with with their value um why else do uh, companies fail they get more interested in in buying getting their name on monuments than building the great companies there's a a, a slave the the roman military commander called the Dukes had a slave and the slave's job was to whisper in his ear, memento homo, memento homo, memento homo. Remember, you're just a man. And what I've seen with so many, I've, I've mentored many billionaires. One of the biggest snares they fall into is the world loves them. The world adores them. They actually start to believe it. I, I know we don't have time to get into the whole deconstruction on the Titans decline, but what start, one of the biggest traps people fall into is they forget that it is your customers who you serve. These are the people who put food onto your table. So keep on beco becoming obsessed with how may, I, how may I deliver more value to these people that, than they have any right to receive.
and keep on innovating, inventing, getting hungry, getting even better. The deconstruction talks about these stages, the apex of world-class contaminants of arrogance. Yeah, I'm reading it right now. I mean, just literally just these terms like yeah, contam- right the, the contamination of arrogance, mediocrity creep. I, I, I want to, I love that you have loss of extreme training. Can I just briefly share? Um, so my, my company, I think you'll appreciate this, this anecdote. And, and, uh, so my company Entra, we basically teach entrepreneurialism, kind of an entrepreneurial approach to living. And by extension, a lot of people are, are formally becoming entrepreneurs and launching businesses. And we mentor them and, and, and have courses and coaching and events and stuff. Anyway, the whole thing originated about three and a half years ago because I had like this Jerry Maguire kind of like freak out moment. And, and I love that you talked about loss of extreme training. The way it started was my wife and I, uh, about six, almost seven years ago, her mom passed away from pancreatic cancer. And she lived with us for the last, almost the last year of her life. And, you know, we literally watched her die. Uh, and we were so viscerally moved by that experience. We just, it, once and for all, we decided we are going to take great care of our bodies. Like we're just going to be those people. And I literally, you know, other than maybe because of travel or sickness, you know, 20, 30 days in the last seven years, I haven't missed a day and neither is she, right? Wow. We get up early, we go to the gym. That's just what we do. Wow. Congratulations. But, about three and a half years ago, she, uh, a family member of, her, of my wife's was saying to her, yeah, my, my wife was prescribing her, you know, something for fitness. She came to her seeking fitness advice. My wife said, oh, I'll do this, this, and this. And she said, yeah, but we're just, we're not extreme like you and Jeff are. Like, we're not like extreme people like you guys. And I heard it through the phone. And I was like, I'm not extreme. I'm just effective. This is actually what it takes. To, to get it done in this world. And I got so, uh, for some reason, it just triggered me so much that I got in my car, went for a drive, and I shot this video on my phone that ended up beca- uh, being called Let's Get Extreme. And that was my point, is like, you have to be, like what most people call extreme is just their, their description of effective because it challenges their ineffective way of not, in their mind, being extreme right? Of being kind of normal or mediocre. And I got, and it, I shot this video and I, and, and it kind of caught on and some people watched it and I got positive encouragement and I started making more videos. And I was like this extreme, crazy entrepreneurial evangelist guy. And eventually these videos started getting enough buzz that I created a course. And then we created another course. And then I created a coaching program for the course. And then we created an event to go with the coaching program. And now we have the fastest growing education platform in the world because three and a half years ago, my, you know, a, a, a family member of my wife said that we were extreme and it pissed me off. That's how, that's how it happened. So I thought you'd appreciate like, yes, do like be extreme, train like a maniac. You don't have to be Tom Brady to care about excellence like Tom Brady. You know, I'm smiling because we're, we're singing from the same songbook. I forget the philosopher who said it, but it was those who were seen to be dancing were called crazy by those who were not dancing, just watching. Hmm. What I'm trying to suggest is to have the results only 5% of the population has, you've got to be willing to do what 95% of the population does not subscribe to doing. And if you do what very few do, then you will be called crazy or extreme or neurotic, or there's something wrong with you. Because you are. You, you must have because, OCD. They make it a neurological condition. Well, it's because you're not following the status quo. In every right, you're not following the status quo. That's very disruptive to the herd. We are tribal. And as you stray, so we have a tribe, we have neuro the neurobiology of a tribal nature. Right. And it served us really well on the savannah. If we'd leave, we'd be eaten by saber-toothed tigers, killed by warring tribes, die of starvation. Now we are in the modern day. We are tribal. If you stray from the herd by coming up with a blue ocean disruptive product or getting up at 5 a.m. to do the 2020-20 formula I talk about in that book, or you exercise every day, or you fast, or you pray, or you meditate, or rather than watching you know, games and videos or snacking on TV, serial TVs 
hour and hour every night. You, you, you read and you study and you prepare for the next day, which those of us who do it realize it's not a, it's not a burden, it's a delight. But if you do those things, you get labeled. And so the Titans decline, it's, 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 it explains what happens to great companies, world-class companies based on my, 26 my, my two decades plus experience working with some of the best companies in the world. And it's really, it's powerful. And you're right, part of it is loss of extreme training. In other words, when the companies were in startup mode, they had these SOPs, these systems, they would do right. things, they would, right? The, the, the systems were amazing. The quality was amazing. But the big, one of the biggest problems is you get to world-class and you think, first of all, what, what got you there will keep you there. But the second thing is you believe that all the accolades and all the people buying your products will always be there. And that happens mm -hmm. like a lot of, I've mentored a lot of professional athletes. And one of the things they, they think is, I've had a really successful season. I'm now a world champion in my domain. The success will always be there. And they stop doing the very things that made them great. As an entrepreneur, I would say, okay, you're successful. Fantastic. Are you still up early in the morning? Are you still a merchant of wow with your customers? Are you still reading every book you can get your hands on? Are you still staying fit and hungry? Are you still hanging out with people that are two decades younger than you or younger than, than you? Are you? Are you consuming content that, that, you, that makes you angry? Because that's what also is going to open your mind. So that's the tightness decline. And then there's the troll deconstruction. And, and, and I, I created this over, over many years because it hurt me too to receive the arrows of the cynics and the critics. I mean, we're, we're human. And I think if we wouldn't feel you know, hurt on the criticism, I, mean, I think you and I were trying to push our, our, our beauty and our magic into the work, into the world. And when people don't get it, like, tell me, I mean, Jeff, when you do something amazing, you put it out in the world and someone goes, piece of garbage, don't, don't you wonder like, how could they possibly say that? Yeah, yeah, there, I think there's like, trolling there, there's like hurt by commission and then hurt by omission and and i think i feel them equally and, and what i mean by that is there's the overt hey you ugly asshole get off my feed right or you know how much did you pay that woman to hang out with you and pretend to be your wife or whatever clever thing wow. they you know come up with um and, and it's like, yeah, all my, my entire transgression was trying to put something positive into, into the world. And then there's, I think, this the, when I talk about the, the hurt of omission, there's this sort of general frustration that um, the world is generally so much more interested in things that are unhealthy than healthy. And so when you're trying to be part of the healthy nutrition of the world, you're trying to provide replenishment and nourishment and, and, and positivity. And the world is just so much more interested in watching Netflix, watching people kill each other or, or staring at the TV and being afraid of the boogeyman or, you know, what it, you know, that's, that's a different type of trolling. I almost feel like it's like the, how, that's how the world trolls you is it tries to ice you out and, and make you feel marginal because you, you know that you'd get a lot more attention if you would just do something for shock value or, or like if you'd fall off a skateboard and have somebody filming it, you'd probably get more views. Like, you know, so, so it's both of them. And yes, I feel them deeply. Uh, and I just, I try to trend. I use this term sometime. I don't even know if it's a real word. I stole it from the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon, but to transmogrify, to like, to mutate that hurt into fuel and say that that's only reflecting the hurt of the of the world, and that that's that's evidence of how much what I'm doing is needed. That's how I try, but like you said, we're human and it's hard. Yeah, I mean, everything you said, you expressed was so honest, and I think it's so true. Uh, first of all, I don't know that if the whole world is against the dreamers and the possibilitarians, what what I've what I see right now is I see, I've never seen so much light, and I've never seen so much darkness. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and I'd also offer to your many listeners from around the world that cynics are degraded dreamers. 
So I believe everyone wakes up like when we're born, we're born into the light in, in the sense mm. of creativity and potential, but potential unexpressed turns to pain. And I'll repeat that again, because I think it's so important. Potential Thank you, because I'm taking notes. So yeah, repeat, please. <laughs> well, well, potential unexpressed turns to pain. We are born into genius. We get resigned into mediocrity and it's not our fault in many ways. And in, in some ways it is, we do have will. And if we choose not to exercise the will, then we are responsible for the results. But potential unexpressed turns to pain. When you're a little kid, you have all these dreams. You have instincts, you have inclinations. If you don't follow those inclinations to materialize your promise into results, then you end up with what I call in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, this field of hurt. All of the disappointment were because you didn't keep on going. All of the regret because you didn't do things. All of the, the, the shame because you didn't honor your glory. You, you think that, you don't, you think we, that just vanishes? No, we right. stuff it down. Carl Jung talked about the repressed emotions, the shadow side. It gets stuffed within us. And here's another very unorthodox thing about the Everyday Hero, Manifest, Everyday Hero Manifesto. The world says, just be a positive thinker. But if we don't deal with all of that, all that emotion that we suppress, that's what blocks our creativity, our productivity, and our joy. And you can read every productivity hack in the book, but if you're at war with yourself, your best self versus your emotionally hurt self, you are never going to have energy, energy, creativity, and productivity. So let's go back to trolls. And this is the troll deconstruction. This is the chapter. And that's what it is. And some of the elements that I've learned the hard way, sort of. Haters, number one, the first part of the deconstruction, haters are love teachers in disguise. And the reason I wrote that, Jeff, is because ultimately the people who threw stones at me taught me to love more. We had a choice. I could have contracted and become bitter. But for whatever reason, I chose to find empathy and understanding, you know, like there must be wounded, like someone who writes that must be really hurt and in pain. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, it allowed me to grow my heart and my empathy and compassion, which please, I hope no one thinks that's weak. The great entrepreneurs have empathy. That's how they do amazing product. Steve Jobs had such empathy for his consumers that he went to the edges of the earth to create the products he did. You can't build an amazing team that wins the battle with that empathy. Mm -hmm. You can't build an amazing brand is, that has sense it. Are, are there people that actually think that what you said is make describes a form of weakness? Because you said, like, I'm like, I'm like, so right there with you. And you're like, I hope people don't of think course. that. that makes, I'm like, is it, what is this like 1865? Like people no, still think that it's weak to be okay. empathetic? Emotion. That's why I'm on this thing about mindset is not everything. Mindset is your psychology. And of course, your mindset's incredibly important. But in the book, I also talk about heart set, which is your emotionality, health set, your physicality, and your soul set, your spirituality. Four of those, all, all those four interior MRs, exponential productivity and dominating your domain. But Jeff, I'd say, of course, I'd say so many entrepreneurs, so many people listening, with all due respect, you talk about compassion, you talk about empathy. Oh, it's like, why is that relevant? And yet you go out in the world and you wonder, like, you have a bad customer experience? I mean, just yesterday, I don't think I'm going to offend anyone, but let's just yesterday, I, I went to rent a car. The person behind the counter, you know, I said, oh, you know, would, would it be helpful if I gave you my reservation number? No, your name. Oh, okay. I mean, usually reservation numbers right. get you right in there. But the whole experience was pulling teeth, passive aggression. And all I'm saying is if she had a wide open heart, she would go, first of all, I'm paid to take care of customers. Secondly, she'd go, this is my brother on this planet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm his sister, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And she could have made my day and she could have made her day. So I think a, a great entrepreneur or any person who's doing a job, you'll get promoted, you'll make more money, you'll make people's day, you'll be a great advantage 
brand ambassador, when you do the inner work that I talk about in the book on heart set healing so that your mind is world class, your heart is wide open and free of trauma, your health set is calibrated to optimum, and your soul set, which no one, very few people talk about in entrepreneurial circles, but we can talk about why that's so important. You know, like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, all the great entrepreneurs, they had a cause that was larger than themselves and they wanted to serve. And when you really come from a place of spiritual service so that your tiny ego is not very loud and you're coming from your heroic self, that's when you'll go, I don't care what anyone tries to do to me in my business. I don't care whatever the constraints are. I don't care if some of my teammates are against me. I don't care if my competition is trying to bring me down. I will take a bullet for this mission. So four interior empires are important. The troll deconstruction, the first of the nine elements, haters are love teachers in, in disguise. I'd say number three is important. Light attracts moths as well, moths as, well as angels. Mm. You know, you're going to bring out the trolls if you're doing beautiful work. So the fact that so many people or however many people are going, Jeff, ah, your brilliance is activating their um, dis disused brilliance. And it's easier to throw a stone at you than for them to get up off the couch, uh, get off and leave the computer and go build their own dream. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know you can get a free copy of my book, The Millionaire Shortcut, which shows you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. There's a special link just for this episode in the description. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. So I I, I appreciate that, and I, I completely uh, I completely agree, and, and I'm taking some great notes. Um, I love the I love the four what, what did you call them the four the mindset heart set health set soul set you call those the four what the four interior empires interior that lead empires. to that lead to exterior empires of creativity productivity prosperity and humanity so you talked about kind of reframing your story um and and I, I you know that really landed with me because i feel like my kind of you know i'll call it my personal renaissance um you know or, or the beginning of act two in my life which you know feels to be the act that really matters, at least so far, was, was born out of a lot of therapy, a lot of very deep, painful work to finally extract some stuff, get clear on, you know, what, what my therapist called um, the inner sentence. You know, it's essentially the, the, the singular sentence, the singular declamatory statement that is your view of the world and your place in it period, the end, right? And it was in place by mo for most of us by the time we were like nine or 10 years old. And to actually deconstruct that and really understand, you know, find that, that uh, I have a, a friend, Dove Barone, who you may know, but to find, he calls it the red thread that, that stitches through your entire life, that singular thread. So anyway, kind of did all this work, thousands of hours. I mean, like groups and like sharing and classes and solo and going with my wife and she did it too. And like, we love it. We're total therapy junkies. And like we did it for thousands of hours and spent a pretty decent amount of money too. Um, most people don't want to go through all that. Right. And so I guess my question, you talked about how in the book, there maybe are some, some methods that people can use to start to, first of all, I guess it's two parts. It's figure out the story that we're currently telling ourselves and then actually do the work to rewrite it in a way that sticks. Can you illuminate, uh, maybe, a, is, there a, is there a more efficient way to do that than the way I did it that was so time and, and cost, ex, you know, financially expensive? It's a, it's a brilliant question. And you, you touched on a few different things. First of all, you talk, touched about, well, first we have to figure out the story stuff, and right? And then we have right. to figure out the tools. And I love it because I've been on this podcast tour and everyone is asking me, so how do we do it? Where do we start? And my reply is always, methodology without philosophy is an empty victory we live in such a math mathematical world everything is like give me the tactics but all the tactics in the world will not help you if you're scaling the wrong mountain so i just want to make that point because yeah. i don't think it's so often made everyone's like tactics what's the ritual what's the routine and i should say the everyday hero manifesto is full of r routines 
but the routines do not matter unless you've calibrated your mountaintop and you so, have your philosophy. So in this case, is the philosophy to understand that your entire life, your entire set of behaviors, your entire set of experiences, and your entire set of results is all anchored in, in a, a narrative, a story. Yes. Yes. What, uh, what Seligman calls your explanatory style. It's how you explain yourself to yourself. That, that's the philosophy you're talking about. And I, then to change your exactly. life, you have to change the story. Transformation begins with awareness. Okay. So, yes, you've got to know your narrative, your story. Then you've got to know your new narrative and your new story that you want to move to. Then you want to deconstruct it into on the last hour of your last day, how will you have wished you will have lived? You know, you can do a 50. It sounds like a lot of work. It's beautiful work. This is your life. It's, it's, you, it's the only work. It's the only work. And then people go, well, it sounds like so much work. Well, misery is a lot. Dealing with misery every day right. is a lot more work. Right. Know? Like it's easier to watch TV and hang out and chat and do waste time. That is a lot. Living with the results of that is a lot more work than doing this work that gives you a gorgeous life. And, and as, am I going to say you'll have a perfect life? Of course not. Am I, am I going to say you'll never have a hard day? Of course not. So you want to find out that you could do your 50-year plan, understand your past story so you have awareness of it, understand the values you want to live by, what are the truths you want each day to stand for. So you start to put, you know, I, I, everywhere I have this, like just before we went on, I was like writing in my journal, I've got... You know, and mm -hmm. so you're constantly refining your philosophy of life. Once you know that, then there's the methodology. So do I do you have to go through everything you went through? I've gone through everything you've gone through. This is my 22nd year of, you know, uh, working with spiritual counselors, doing emotional healing, doing acupuncture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I do biohacking. You know, I do as much of it as I can, and it serves me incredibly well. Is it expensive? Yes, it costs. Death and misery is much more expensive. You know, sweat lodging. I've done the sweat lodge. I've done those things. They've they've worked very well. Having said that, there's a tool I've come I've created that I've taught to the billionaires and the sports superstars, members of royalty that I've mentored. I talk about it in the Everyday Hero Manifesto. It's absolutely transformational. Yes, that's a bold statement, but it's called the Afra tool. Long story short, there's a chapter in the book called The Big Lie of Positive Thinking. And, and I say that with respect, but all these positive thinking books, they, they're beautiful. I love a lot of them. Like, um, the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. But it, it's like, okay, so you go through a divorce, go through an illness, dealing with a plague, dealing with a business thing. Intellectually, look for the positives. That never felt right to me because you're swallowing all the pain and suffering and hurt that you're feeling. And all of that stuff comes back to bite you in other ways. The Afro tool Positive thinking works after you have processed through the emotional turmoil you're going through. Does, it, does that make sense? Makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And this is, and again, this is the missing link of personal mastery, personal development, and even productivity. We read all the books, so we get everything in intellectually. We set our game plans. We want to do all these things intellectually, but we still have been processed through all the trauma, micro and macro, that we've picked up as we've navigated through life. So the Afro tool, it teaches people in a methodical way how to go into the body and over time through a daily practice, start to release in healthy ways all of the micro trauma and macro trauma that we have accumulated, which is the energy that is preventing us from knowing our highest self. Once we know our highest self, and that's not metaphysical, you know, once you know your gifts and your talents, your potential, your energy, you become unstoppable in the world. Then you, there's also meditation, prayer, journaling, forest bathing, biohacking, pre-sleep routine, 5 a.m. club morning ritual, masterminding, reading books every night, et cetera, that also create great transformation. Afra tool, A-F-R-A. -A. I, I know that because I was Googling it while you were saying it. That's an acronym, I presume. Do you mind sharing? What it stands for? Of course, of course not. I'm trying to help, help as much as possible. A is uh, awareness. F is feel. 
R is release, A is ascend. Wonderful, and I did see there's uh, a quick Google search of the Afra tool, and I can see a lot of people have not only taken this to heart, but they've also turned around and taught it back to the world in YouTube videos. So there's like a oh, whole discussion world of the Afra tool out there if you've never, if you've know never researched it. So uh, I know that we're, we're nearing our finish line here. And I, I really want to, um, if, you, if you're comfortable with it, I'd like to roll back to the moment you realized you were not on the path that maybe you were created for, and as you, I think, now believe. Um, and, and as I understand it, you were a litigator, you were in your 20s, you were successful, um, and then you started self-publishing. I know you wrote uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, originally no publisher, um, but, and, and you wrote something before that too. What, what, take me back, what was going on for you? How, what, what did that, that call, what did that tug feel like? What did it sound like? And why were you wired to actually heed it in a world when so many don't? It, what I felt was angst. It's a word I love. It's just one of those words that sounds like the way it feels. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think so many of your listeners or viewers get like angst. And you know what I would say with great love and respect for everyone listening, it's like, trust your angst because your angst knows the call on your life. Your angsting. So, your angsting. <laughs> your hangry angsting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trust your instinct so you don't go extinct. So you don't, you're very, that's, that's a, that's good. That's a great brain tattoo. Um, so I was just like, I'd done everything the world said you should do in order to be successful. I got a biology degree, a law degree, a master's of law. I was a litigator, as you mentioned, making good money, lived, had a BMW, lovely, beautiful place to live. And I just, I just, I just felt angst. I felt unhappy. It was almost like something in my solar plexus just going like, the, you know, what's the point of being successful if you lose your soul in the, pro your, your access to the soul in the process. And I went on this personal odyssey where I started um, experimenting with meditation and reading books of people who were living these amazing lives and talking to elders and trying all these methodologies and I developed some really powerful transformations over a, th a three-year period. You're right. Not a lot of people know this. Most people think my first book was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, but there was a book before. Uh, hold on. Called... Mega Living, right? It, Mega Living. It just came back to me. So, okay. You wrote, so you wrote a yeah, book it, called Mega Living when you were a frustrated litigator who was not Mega Living, so to speak. I, I was definitely not. Well, well, no. As I was making my changes, I wrote Mega Living. Yeah. It was sort of okay. like the tail end of it. So, uh, and just for anyone who's, who wants to start a business or anything, people always ask me, like, where do you start? It's like, stop asking, where do you start and just start? You know, Conf uh, Lao Tzu, the, the thousand mile journey begins with a single step. You want to do a marathon? Start the first walk. You want to write a book? Start the first page. You want to do a screenplay? Do, make the first step. So what I did was I, 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 I knew nothing, but I, went to the learning annex. It was an organization that used to teach different skills. And there was one on book publishing and I learned how to self publish a book. And I literally went to a passport shop and got one of those passport pictures. And, and literally that's on the back of mega living. It looks so bad. And no one told me that when you have like an eight and a half by 11 paper and you shrink it down into book form, obviously the type will shrink. I forgot about that. So the first 2000 copies, you could barely read it. So, you know, a very popular author told me, he goes, why don't you package a magnifying glass into the package so they can read it with the book. But, you know, that's how I started. And then I self-published The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I believe that synchronicity is the universe's way of remaining anonymous. And so one day I was with my son Colby in a, he was about four years old. I was in a bookstore. I had, the, I was signing the self-published books. And this gentleman looked at me and he goes, wow, the monk who sold his Ferrari, what a great title. I said, yes, I'm a lawyer, but I, I've written this book and I really believe it'll help people. And I'm on this incredible mission to get it out to the world. And he said, um, he pulled out his card. And I talk about this in the first chapter of the Everyday Hero Manifesto. Like I talk about my mentors and a lot of the struggles I've gone through, but this man gave me his card. And Jeff, it said, Ed Carson, president, Harper Collins. 
And two weeks later, two, two to three weeks later, they bought the monk who sold his Ferrari for the gargantuan sum of $7,500. And that led me down this, this really uh, incredible path that I've been on the past 25, 26 years. And it 20 sure million, has 20 million books, months. 20 million books, 92 countries. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I heard somebody say that um, his following rivals the Dalai Lama in its breadth and fanaticism. Something to that effect. So, I'm a humble, so, so I'm not a to you, servant. man. Not to you for 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 just doing the little things that, that like for taking you know the the first step on the thousand miles journey that you know other and people any, just stare at their feet. Anyone can do it. Anyone. It, it's it's stunning how far you can go with persistency, and you just try to do your best, you know. And you just, <clears throat> I think one of the things people fall into, it, you know, Confucius said person who chases two rabbits catches neither and what what we do as entrepreneurs and i don't really see myself as an entrepreneur but what we do in as entrepreneurs or con product cre con content creators is we go oh i'm going to teach this and then i'm going to teach this and then i'm going to do this and then i'm going to try apparel then i'm going to try this i'm going to do apps and i'm and it's stunning how what happens with constancy you go I'm going to do this one thing. It might change a little bit, but you stay in the game. You know, you outlive your peers. Like someone once said, like the game is you just live longer than everyone in your field, you know? But mm -hmm. I think the point is you just stay true to your vision and you stay monomaniacally focused. And, and you have to also adapt to new changes in the marketplace. I get that. But you just stay true to your vision and the years go by and then the decades go by. And it's just, you know, and most, mostly you, you, you just be about service, you know, service and love and pushing incredible value to your people. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how far you can get. So I, I know that uh, I want to, I want to honor our, our time constraints, but I have one thing that I think would be a great note to end on and we could dive into, but it'll probably push us five or 10 minutes over. Is that okay for you? It is because I'm really enjoying your questions and our time together. Well, I appreciate that. First of all, I'm going to challenge that I think you are very much an entrepreneur. Um, one of the things that obviously our company, Entra, you know, we derive our name from that term. And, and you know, you've got uh, the everyday hero concept. Um, we very much subscribe to this everyday entrepreneur concept. I think that the term has been hijacked to mean if I'm not on the cover of Fast Company, if I didn't, you know, if I'm not a billionaire with an app uh, or, or if I'm not VC backed, then I'm not an entrepreneur. And it's like the, the entrepreneurs built this world, like, like the merchant class. I mean, democracy was born out of the marketplace in Athens as a trade agreement between entrepreneurs. Like, and, and we're trying to reclaim it for the everyday entrepreneur. And so our, I'll tell you our definition of it that I think fits perfectly to you. We have a whole glossary of ter these terms and fancy frameworks. But our definition is simply a purpose-driven person who lives what we call the entre way, which is kind of the set of values that I, I'm quite confident you, you, you map to very closely. Um, but it's a purpose-driven person who lives the entre way, takes ownership of their results in every area of life, and expects compensation only in exchange for value they create. So by that definition, would you agree that you're an entrepreneur? I would. And would, would you agree with us? Love... I'm sorry, that, that that's actually a code that if we could get everybody to operate that way, we might have a little better world. Purpose-driven, ownership of results in every area of life, daily disciplined action, and expecting compensation only in exchange for value, not time. We have a whole new world. And even the last piece that you talked about, which is, only receiving comp compensation for value delivered. You know, that's the hardest one for most people for obvious reasons. I, I just, I, I just think at the end of the day, we're, we are the only person we get to live our entire lives with. And, you know, there are, there are popular currencies and then there are hidden currencies and, mm. and, and honoring yourself and loving yourself and 
glorifying who you've become, I think is one of the most prized currencies. Like I've mentored so many billionaires and they've got everything in the world, but they don't know themselves. And so to receive a dollar and not more than a dollar that you haven't earned is it's, it's so like, it, it's, I think this is what's a lone voice in the wilderness. And I know you and your followers believe it, but to, to make the money that you've earned through your sweat equity and then do whatever you want with it is a glorious thing. And to receive money that you haven't earned, I think there, there are a lot of psychic costs. To yes, it. yes. The price yeah. you pay for showing up, doing just well enough to not get fired and expecting compensation, uh, even for having shown up at all, but especially beyond what you've produced. Yeah, I think it's this nefarious, toxic, psychic drain in our society. Um, and, and, and anyway, we could go far with that. The, the, the specific point that I wanted to dig into here to kind of close us out, and that was the setup, um, the entrepreneur concept, is uh, there's kind of an, a, a debate that, that I wouldn't say rages. I would say it more like simmers under the surface um, in Entra, in my company, where I believe very much that everybody has this created purpose, this, this thing that they're, you know, like Mark Twain, I say it all the time, the two most important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you figure out why. And that, that when, when you figure out why, it will, it will blow you away how big your created purpose is. It's not gonna be, I was, oh my, the reason I was born was to put food on the table for my three kids. That, that's kind of a, that's a state of biological, like Dar, Darwinism says you should feed your children because they, have, you know, they carry you on in the world. There's this bigger thing that's out there or that's in there. And one of the, in, this kind of internal debate concept is I believe that if people will just cross that chasm, if they will just make peace with the fact that they have a calling and a purpose and a, and a possibility that is, call it dramatically larger. And I say drama on purpose because it seems almost histrionic. It's like, oh, who am I to be this big out loud liver of life, right? I'm meant to just stay here. Um, and I believe that the way you get people started on the path, like you said, the, 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 the method, the philosophy that has to underlie the methodology, like the a priori is I have to see myself going to this majestic place or else all the tactics in between won't, won't, I'll be climbing the wrong mountain. Thank you. You've given me wonderful imagery for this. That's my belief. The counterpart or the, the counterpoint to that is yeah, but most people, that's not where they're at. And you got to meet them where they're at. Where most people are at is they just want a little more free time or a little less stress. Like they're not ready to think big like that. They, they, and if you try to get them there before they're ready, it's on you because you cost them. They'll never take that first step. And that's on you, the teacher, for having tried to, to stretch them too far. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't accept that. I don't accept that you can, we can enroll people into the mundane because it's more convenient and comfortable as an enticement to take the first step because that's just more of what they've already got. And, and, and it, this, this debate goes on and on because, you know, at me as the evangelist and, and the, the, the messenger of our, within our whole company, I'm always weaving this in. And sometimes people are like, Jeff, we need you to tone it down. They're just trying to pay their bills. So that's my question, my existential question to you. Well, I mean, there's there's so much in that question, and you're right. We could spend an hour on it or, or days on it. And I love the question, and and I don't know. I, I need to think properly about the question for more time. But here's what what comes to mind. I'd say, um, I'm like you in many ways. You know, I, I I did one podcast recently, and it was, you know sort of like keep it keep keep the conversation you know the, the the information in the everyday hero manifesto and what you teach it's like it's sophisticated and it's and it's calibrated and all this but you know we want to we want you to just keep this really simple for all the people listening it's like it's like they want fine dining they don't want soul food yeah and i, and I said you know let's take them to the mountaintop yeah 
you, you know, like do not do, do not dismiss anyone's ability to resonate with the truth and possibility. So I hear you on that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and, and I would secondly say, I think your people who follow you want them, they want to change the world. They want to do big things. That's why they follow you. So I think that's the case because they're entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, it's like, give me something big, give me my massive mountaintop. So, and I'm sure you serve them well and they want to, they want to do big things. Yet, let's, I would, I would invite you to play with big being a judgment. Yeah. Like who is to say, that, you know, you're meant to do something big and I, you know, you, I want to get you to dream big. Big is, big is, is, is a value judgment. Why isn't small just as big as big, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so here in, in this part of the world, you, you know, and I, I'm talking about North America, let's say, it's, it's very much like, let's make it big. Right. But in Eastern traditions, it's less about doing and more about being. And all I want, what I'm trying to say, and I hope I'm saying it respectfully and clearly, big is great, big is bold. It's awesome for entrepreneurs. And these are the people who've moved civilization forward. Yet, I don't want anyone listening who truly feels that, you know what? I want to be an entrepreneur and I just want to put food on my table. I really don't want to work day and night. Um, and I, I want to have a small business and I want it to have high integrity and I want it to be beautiful, but I'm not interested in the complexities that do come with being big. Like when you get big, 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 you are putting out a lot of fires and sometimes you have so much complexity, you don't enjoy your life. Yeah. And, and so I just wanted to say, there's nothing wrong with with small either it's all what feels truest and most honest <clears throat> excuse me to you as an entrepreneur and the final thing i'd say is you know you're really a thinker and and i love some of your unique languaging and you know even the how you define an entrepreneur i i'm i'm not familiar with it and i don't know if you've written a book but you know i would love to see you take all of this proprietary i mean that's what i was saying in, in the everyday hero manifesto there is so much of my ip and so much so many of the unique yeah. models that i've been teaching for so many years to the billionaires um, movement makers titans of industry and, and that's why i sort of stepped up and said like this isn't a, it's not a trite book with like go out and do a collage and right. do some goal setting but i hear just in our short, relatively short time together, I hear a lot of interesting ideas and I would love you to, to share so much of it in a book. And because I'd love to, I'd love to read that book. And I think you'd, you'd serve so many people. Well, uh, on my to-do list for next week is to do the final review of the manuscript for the book that's being published August 2nd. And I, I hope I, you will be okay with me sending you an advanced copy. I'd, I can't wait to read it. Yeah, that's one, one of the wonderful things. It's come out of this, this journey that began with me shooting that video in my car. Is Yeah, I got a book deal, and uh, I'm, I, I get the opportunity, for better or for worse, to float these ideas by the world and, and, and uh, expose them for feedback. So this will be fun. Robin. Congratulations. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, first of all, for being a guest uh, on Unlock Your Potential. But I am... I am so alive right now. It's seven o'clock in the morning where I am. You're in, you're in uh, Italy, so it's a little later for you. Um, but I am so fired up and alive right now because of this conversation and because of the energy and the ideology that you show up with. And I cannot wait to read the Everyday Hero Manifesto. Um, it's probably an obvious question, but why don't you share with the audience where they can get a copy and also just how they can get deeper into your world and anything else you'd like to share? Sure, sure. The Everyday Hero Manifesto is in great bookstores around the world. I think it's in, it came out about a few months ago. It's probably, I think we're in 30 plus countries right now. So in bookstores, people are loving the audiobook. So it's available on Audible and uh, it's available on Amazon. So it's available online. I would like to mention a portion of my royalties goes to help children suffering from leprosy, which is a big cause for me. So mm -hmm. I'm great to see the book doing so well. It's currently one of the best-selling books in the world right now. People can follow me on um, 
YouTube. I do a podcast. I don't interview, but I do a content podcast called The Mastery Sessions on YouTube, where people can go deeper into this philosophy. I'm on Instagram. And the mothership is robinsharma.com. They can get on my robinsharma.com. They can get on my mailing list. I send videos and you know inspirational pieces that I write every week or every two weeks. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.